lecture four on christian fortitude thou o god art my strength psalm forty two verse two when king solomon had completed the temple of god in jerusalem he erected two majestic columns of bronze in the great porch by which the people entered to perform their worship these columns were crowned with beautiful capitals of the same enduring metal in which rows of pomegranates were placed one above another and the whole was enclosed with a network of chains which again was crowned with lilies to the column on the right he gave the name of joachim and to the column on the left the name of boaz three kings chapter seven in the hebrew language joachim signifies rectitude and boaz fortitude these noble monuments stood before the temple to express to all who entered that the law of god is rectitude and that the will of god which his law reveals is accomplished by fortitude the first column taught the people of god that all things proceed from the wisdom of god and are guided to their ends by his justice the second taught that all things are upheld and strengthened by the fortitude of the divine will they also taught that to obey the light of justice we need from god the gift of fortitude that we may have a strenuous will to obey his divine behests the pomegranate is the symbol of fruitfulness and the clusters of them that crown these columns may be taken to express the fruits that grow from the union of fortitude with justice the network of chains is the bracing patience that protects and preserves them and the lilies express the purity with which the soul is graced in virtue of these fundamental gifts st paul is supposed to refer to these prophetic columns where he calls the church the pillar and firm foundation of truth one timothy chapter three verse fifteen speaking in figure every christian has need of the support of these two columns that he may be a holy temple of god of joachim the light of truth and justice in his mind of boaz the firmness of fortitude in his will that in the face of all trials he may be able to accomplish the will of god finally it is through the two virtues of justice and fortitude that he enters the glorious temple of god the house not made with hands eternal in heaven two corinthians chapter five verse one the greatest moral strength of which the soul is capable comes of the christian grace and gift of fortitude of which patience is a potential part that is to say it agrees with patience in some respects and differs from it in others patience is mostly concerned in overcoming the restlessness of nature in enduring adversities in resisting temptations and in subduing or keeping away impatience anger or sadness fortitude is a braver and a stronger virtue is more deeply woven into the constitution of the soul and is concerned with difficult action as well as with difficult endurance fortitude is required to face great dangers bravely to undertake great works beset with difficulties or to undergo martyrdom 
or the equivalent of martyrdom it must however be remembered that difficult action that is the action that surmounts great difficulties includes endurance as well on account of the obstacles opposed by the greatness or stubbornness of the work to be done or of the opposition which other persons raise up against it or of the misgivings or reluctances that arise within ourselves and which have to be overcome with courage patience then is included in fortitude but fortitude is a virtue more deeply seated in the soul is more calm in its operations and is less the subject of consciousness than patience we are less conscious of fortitude because it is a force that works with greater ease we are more conscious of patience because it is exercised with greater effort and is felt by the greater resistance which it encounters from irritability impatience or sadness the whole man moves together in fortitude but in patience only a portion of the faculties are brought into exercise at one time whoever has great fortitude ought also to have great patience but this is not always the case for a person who can call up great fortitude on great occasions will often be found irritable and impatient nay even angry on smaller occasions this is owing to the want of a good habit of self-discipline over the imagination and the temper in the daily and hourly conduct of life but this defect belongs more to natural than to christian fortitude which last is a gift of the holy ghost and where perfection of life is diligently cultivated it includes the gift of patience but as fortitude chiefly concerns the greater and patience the lesser labours and trials of life both branches of the virtue require to be well and carefully cultivated and whoever is well exercised in patience will not be wanting in fortitude the word fortitude is derived from the latin word fortis which means a morally strong and brave man whilst the word fortitudo signifies the state or habit of moral strength and bravery the greek word andrea bears the same signification of masculine bravery the pagans looked upon it as their chief most honourable and almost only virtue considering the other virtues as belonging more to manners than to manhood it is still honoured and rewarded by the world as the greatest of human virtues and the most valuable to the republic nor does it hold a less position among the christian virtues where it is guided by faith exalted by hope animated by charity and regulated by humility christian fortitude is the highest gift of spiritual strength and the source of christian magnanimity it is not limited to man alone as the pagans limited this virtue but according to their respective conditions and duties is equally given to both sexes hence the church has had many great and glorious martyrs confessors and spiritual workers among her virgins wives and widows who have exhibited the greatest fortitude and magnanimity 
this has been especially the case among her devoted virgins whose vocation and consecration to their holy state imply the gift of fortitude implanted by the holy spirit in their weakness the fortitude of the natural man neither goes beyond his native powers nor ascends above natural motives although it is not without a providential assistance from god aristotle treats of it under the head of bravery and says that the brave man endures and performs those things that belong to courage for the sake of what is honourable and he thus explains himself he who bears himself bravely and fears what he ought from the right motive in the right manner and at the right time and feels confidence in like manner is brave cicero gives a wider scope to the virtue and defines it to be the undergoing of labours with considerateness and the enduring of sufferings with constancy elsewhere he describes it as a condition of soul that is patient in encountering perils as well as labours and sufferings apart from fear the greek assigns honour for its motive and the roman the benefits which it brings to man but christian fortitude has its foundation in the supernatural strength of divine grace and its motive is the honour and love of god and in the good we are able to accomplish st augustine defines it in general terms as the firmness of the soul amidst the troublesome things of time and more especially as the love of enduring all things in peace for god's sake and elsewhere he calls it an affection of the soul whereby we despise whatever inconveniences or injuries we may suffer that are placed beyond our power to remedy if we put st augustine's descriptions together we shall find them to correspond with st paul's exposition of christian fortitude who is he that shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or distress or famine or nakedness or persecution or the sword as it is written for thy sake we are put to death all the day long we are accounted as sheep to the slaughter but in all things we overcome for the sake of him that loved us for i am certain that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor might nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of god which is in christ jesus our lord romans chapter eight verses thirty five through thirty nine in this inspired description of the brave and magnanimous christian we are taught that fortitude is the strength of charity that it derives its ardent force from adhering to god through christ that it is mighty above all created powers to repel the adversaries of the soul be they earthly or unearthly come they with fear or enticement and that this fortitude of charity overcomes every temptation trial and suffering by still adhering with constancy to god the world admires its own heroes who for honour interest or the excitement which it gives them undergo great labours 
do works that look large in the eyes of men encounter great perils with risk of life or endure extreme sufferings with constancy for some public cause and though these men are not unfrequently known to have their moral deficiencies and failings yet the world exalts them rewards them with honours and benefits and erects monuments to their memory the hope of these things is often their leading motive next to the pride that moves within them but the heroes and heroines of god although the world takes little note of them are far more wonderful armed with christian fortitude their hearts are set on god in whose strength they do great things and suffer great things and whilst wholly indifferent to the world's opinion are a spectacle to god and his angels their audience is in the invisible infinite and most glorious world of spirits they know that the power of god is perfected in their infirmity they have no confidence in themselves all their trust is in the divine help in their valiant combats they first conquer themselves that they may be in a position to surmount all outward dangers and difficulties they have no fears but the fear of god and no will but his will let but the will of god be known and however difficult the task may be to human nature no fear no obstacle will daunt their ardour in accomplishing his will they may hear many discouraging voices they may meet with many obstacles they may often find the way dark before them and have to wait for the light that shines from providential conditions but the light and strength from god within them will carry them bravely on and even though visible success should fail them invisible success will be surely gained for god often ordains that one shall sow in tears and another reap in joy the martyrs seemed to fail in the world's eyes when amidst their sufferings they gave up their lives with their blood but whilst they were crowned in heaven the faith they loved to spread sprang up to numbers from their blood nay christ himself when to the eyes of the world he seemed to have utterly failed at that awful moment redeemed the world and saved mankind the way to god in his servants is the way of fortitude in humility and it is the sublimity of heroic faith to seem to fail when all is gained keeping in mind st augustine's definition of fortitude that it is the love of doing and enduring all things peacefully for god's sake let us hear his exposition of the virtue that love he says of which we speak and which should animate us with the flame of sanctity towards god is temperate in withholding the will from all the things of concupiscence and strong in rejecting them of all the burdens laid upon us in this life the heaviest is our own body and this is owing to the just law which god passed upon that old sin which is so widely known but so little understood the soul trembles and quakes with fear lest the body be vexed or tormented with pain or labour or be taken from us by death through the mere custom of always carrying the body we love the burden of it 
and find it hard to realize that if through the help of the law of divine love we govern the body wisely and well it will obtain its resurrection and salvation and its rights will suffer no injury but when the soul is turned to god with the fortitude of love these things become known and death is not only endured but welcomed with desire there remains the great conflict with pain and suffering yet nothing of this kind is of such iron hardness and obstinacy but the fire of love will master it when this fire bears up the soul towards god she soars up freely and wonderfully on strong and beautiful wings over every torment inflicted on the body until her chaste desire brings her to rest in the embrace of god can we ever allow that god would permit the lovers of money or of praise or of sensual pleasure to become stronger than his own lovers their affections are not love they deserve no other name than that of concupiscence or lust yet they show what a force the soul can put forth even in the heated and noxious pursuit of those poor objects but this is an argument for us for if the lovers of these things can endure so much whilst deserting god for the sake of them how much ought we to be ready to endure to save us from the unhappiness of deserting god elsewhere the great doctor concludes as we have such great need of the gift of fortitude we must implore it of him who commands us to be strong for unless he makes us strong we cannot be what he commands us to be we must therefore ask it of him who says he who perseveres to the end shall be saved lest we claim a fortitude of our own and so become weakened of all strength we may consider the virtue of fortitude either as it is a special virtue having its own immediate object or as a universal virtue giving its strength and firmness to all the other virtues in this last sense it is one of the four cardinal virtues as a special virtue its office is to restrain and overcome the fears and the audacities that spring up in the sight of dangers and particularly the danger of death yet even here it stands not alone but is accompanied with other virtues and especially with prudence temperance and moderation although fortitude is a high virtue observes st ambrose it is never without the cooperation of other virtues without justice it would promote iniquity and in calling it the temperance of the heart the saint expresses its whole character the theologians therefore maintain that those who encounter perils and death from unjust or evil motives have not the virtue of fortitude but only a habit that has some external resemblance to it because the virtue of fortitude has always some good for its object the pagan world exalted the fortitude of cato and men of his character because they put themselves to death to escape the humiliation of defeat but the christian can see nothing in this conduct beyond the ignominious cowardice that springs from pride and shame the special virtue of fortitude is exercised amidst the perils of war 
on occasions of great danger under the infliction of severe sufferings or wherever there are great fears or difficulties to be overcome in warfare this virtue contends with fearless bravery and firm constancy but there is another kind of warfare that cannot be waged effectually without the gift of christian fortitude both in action and endurance and that is the war of the spirit against the world the devil and the flesh this is the most vital and protracted of combats a combat for life against the bringers of death in which fortitude is both the inward strength and the defensive armor of salvation having patience and magnanimity for its supporters not only abroad amongst enemies but at home in social life fortitude must uphold the mind and heart with firmness amidst the temptations contradictions and adversities that are wont to raise unreasonable fears or to break down courage such are loss of fortune of friends of honour or of deserved respect such again are detractions unjust dealings insinuations of evil and seductive flatteries which unless the soul be firm in fortitude are wont to afflict the heart with sadness or to weaken the soul's sincerity the heroes of the old testament who stood for god's cause were endowed by him with this admirable gift of fortitude such were abraham moses caleb joshua jephthah samson david and the maccabees who by faith conquered kingdoms wrought justice recovered strength from infirmity became valiant in battle put to flight the armies of foreigners nor were there wanting valiant women like judith and the mother of the maccabees such also in the spiritual warfare were the prophets and holy men of god they had trials of mockery and stripes moreover of bonds and prisons they were stoned they were cut asunder they were tempted they were put to death by the sword they wandered about in sheepskins in goatskins being in want distressed afflicted of whom the world was not worthy wandering in deserts in mountains in caves of the earth hebrews chapter eleven verses thirty two through thirty eight all these were divinely fortified to be the witnesses of god and the soul against the errors and sins of the world such heroes of god were the apostles of christ strong and brave in their fortitude subduing the world to his truth at the cost of everything that nature holds dear until they gave up their lives to the tormentors such were the holy martyrs of both sexes who for the love of god endured every ignominy and suffering and sealed their faith with their blood such the noble confessors those holy men and women who sacrificed the world gave up all things to god for the love of souls and welcomed sufferings as others welcomed treasures that they might prove their love of god by their endurance we are certainly not less weak by nature than they were and our souls are encompassed with enemies if less violent more subtle and numerous 
and we have therefore as great a need of the virtue of fortitude as well to contend against our adversaries as to keep our souls in peace and safety we have not less reason then to take to heart the admonition of st paul be ye strengthened in the lord and in the might of his power put ye on the armour of god that you may be able to stand against the deceits of the devil ephesians chapter six verses ten and eleven we have now to consider what vices are opposed to fortitude on the side of defects they are timidity or cowardice and also intimidation which causes a false instead of a just fear whilst on the side of excess is to be found that audacity or foolish daring which amounts to rashness yet neither fear nor daring are to be taken for vices when rightly used and properly regulated but only when they become inordinate passions that run into excess beyond what is just and reasonable the vice of timidity or cowardice arises from fearing without just reason what we ought not to fear when we ought not to fear or more than we ought to fear all fear springs from the love of something that we dread to lose or that we dread lest it should suffer thus the fear of god springs from the just dread of being separated from him who is the supreme good and our supreme good and whom we ought to love above all things the fear of reverence is altogether different it is an inspiration of awe and wonder that comes upon us through contemplation of the divine majesty the fear of losing one's life comes of inordinate love for this mortal and transitory state of existence which the love of the supreme good is not strong enough to conquer self-love has many fears all of a more or less foolish and inordinate kind every kind of love has its own fears and every kind of sin having a love of its own has also its fears and its angers the avaricious man loves his wealth fears to lose it and is angry with every person and thing that imperils it the sensual man loves his sensual pleasures but is disturbed with fear and anger against those who would deprive him of them the ambitious man loves honours fears dishonour and is angered by those who would lessen his position but it is the fear of great dangers and especially of death that is opposed to fortitude as a special virtue whilst all the fears that drive men into sin and injustice or into the danger of them are opposed to fortitude as a universal virtue for example when a man from fear of losing his property or his reputation commits perjury when a woman from fear of evil treatment or of starvation gives up her virtue or when a person gives up the exercise of his religion from that fear of the world's opinion which is called human respect intimidation is that fear which is struck by other persons into the soul so as to overcome the fear of god and make a man fear what he ought not to fear where he ought not to fear or to fear more than he ought to fear to the danger or evil of his soul 
audacity or rash daring is an excess that attempts to imitate fortitude but is without the prudence and modesty of mind which belongs to that virtue it mostly springs from vanity and the love of vain glory for the audacious are boasters of what they are not and wish to seem strong and brave when they are only weak and timid it may be noted that the fear caused by intimidation and the rashness of audacity both proceed from one or more of these three causes first from not setting a sufficient value on the good or the life to be protected and especially the good and life of the soul secondly from pride in trusting too much to oneself whilst despising others as though they had no power to injure or overmaster us thirdly from stupidity which is too dull to see the danger to which one is exposed to complete the anatomy of fortitude we must examine the parts of which the virtue is composed and which combine to give elevation steadfastness and splendour to its exercise these are confidence patience magnanimity magnificence constancy and perseverance confidence is the assured hope of bringing what we undertake to a successful end patience as we have seen resists perturbation grief and sadness and victoriously endures molestation magnanimity is that greatness of soul which rises above difficulties and dangers magnificence is that largeness of soul which projects and carries out great works from high and noble motives constancy stands with unchangeable firmness to its resolutions and shuns the levity that flits in restless moods from one thing to another perseverance is the resolute continuance in good once begun despite of all obstacles and discouragements it is obvious that perseverance must greatly depend on patience and constancy and here st bernard will instruct us perseverance he says and that alone brings the glory that crowns the virtues without perseverance the warrior wins no victory the victor wins no palm it comes of the vigour of the powers and gives completeness to the virtues perseverance is the offspring of constancy the sister of patience the friend of peace the bond of friendship take perseverance away and fidelity will fail of its reward well-doing of its grace and fortitude of its praise for not he who begins but he who perseveres to the end will be saved when saul was made king of israel he was little in his own eyes but he did not persevere in his humility and so lost his kingdom and his life had samson persevered in prudence and solomon in devotion the first would not have lost his strength nor the second his wisdom i entreat you then that you keep with firmness to this sure sign of justice to this one and only faithful guardian of integrity the vices opposed to perseverance as st thomas observes are softness impertinacity or stubbornness 
softness comes of ease and pleasure a soft and easy life melts away those energies whereby we endure labors and hardships and dissolves the force that encounters and conquers the difficulties that are met with in doing good works and especially in doing them in the best and most patient way the proper cure for the contemptible vice of softness is labor and self-denial pertinacity is that blind and stubborn vice which sticks to one's own sense and clings to one's own way despite of what is right and reasonable careless of being in the wrong path so long as he has his own will and way the pertinacious man disregards the wisdom that would show him the right way and will probably look upon advice as an insult to his consistency we have heard says isaiah of the pride of moab his pride and his arrogancy and his indignation are more than his strength isaiah chapter sixteen verse six martyrdom is the crown of fortitude it exceeds every other human act in its perfection and this because it gives the most positive proof of the greatest charity yet it is not the sufferings but the cause that makes the martyr god delights not in sufferings but he delights in the brave and patient love with which the martyr suffers he delights in the calm resigned and cheerful trust with which the martyr looks up to him amidst his torments the blood of the martyrs consecrates the earth beneath from which their souls look up to heaven above that heaven which awaits them on their deliverance from the body their faith falls in light on the spectators of their combat and reaches the hearts of men of good will in the words of st cyprian himself a martyr and the witness of many martyrdoms christ rejoices in them the divine protector of their faith fights in them and conquers through them giving them all the gifts that they are capable of receiving christ is there the conflict is his own he upholds them he strengthens them he loves the asserters of his name after conquering death in himself he conquers death in us happy are they who share the honour and glory of the martyrs but this is refused to no one by him who commands us to take up our cross daily and to follow him for a life of self-denial is a martyrdom and calls for the martyr's fortitude st gregory tells us that when persecution ceases there is left for us still the martyrdom of peace the neck is not brought under the weapon of steel but the desires of the body still have to be slain with the sword of the spirit st bernard distinguishes three kinds of martyrdom martyrdom in will alone martyrdom in act alone and martyrdom in act as well as will martyrdom in will alone is found in those who are ready to give their blood and life for the virtues although the occasion does not present itself martyrdom in act alone is found in the holy innocents slain in the place of christ before they reached the use of reason and crowned by christ with the martyr's palm martyrdom in will and act is the prerogative of the glorious army of martyrs 
who cheerfully sealed their faith with their blood for the love of christ three things must unite to make the true martyr first the state of grace and charity secondly the actual surrender of life in public testimony of the choice of things invisible in preference to things visible thirdly the cause of death which must be in defence of the faith or of some virtue wherefore whoever would imitate the martyrs must be clothed with charity must endure their sufferings with fortitude and must die to the passions of their nature for the sake of god and the virtues st john chrysostom often insists on this spiritual kind of martyrdom speaking to the people of antioch on the actual martyrdom of their former archbishop eustathius he puts to them this question who then can be a martyr and he answers in these words i have frequently told you that it is not death that makes the martyr but that resolute will can do the same not i but st paul gives this definition he says i die daily i protest how can one die daily how can one take six hundred deaths into one and the same body by that resolution of will that makes us ready to die abraham stained not his sword with blood he did not redden the altar with the gore of his son he did not slay isaac yet he perfected his sacrifice who says this he who accepted his sacrifice god said to abraham thou hast not spared thy beloved son for my sake yet abraham received him back alive and took him home how was it then that he did not spare him he spared him not in the resolution of his will and of such sacrifices i am accustomed to judge his hand did not immolate his will made the sacrifice it was a sacrifice without the shedding of blood those who are initiated in the divine mysteries know what i say even the unbloody sacrifice is perfect and abraham's was the figure of it let us hear the great saint gregory again if he says we strive in earnest to have the virtue of patience although we live during the peace of the church we may still have the palm of martyrdom for there are two kinds of martyrdom one of mind another in act as well as in mind we may be martyrs without the violence of the sword to die by the hand of the persecutor is martyrdom in open act to endure contumelies and still pardon our enemies is martyrdom in the hidden soul standing at the tomb of a martyr the great pontiff speaks yet more impressively we are standing he says at a martyr's tomb and we know by what death he reached the kingdom of heaven we may not be called upon to give up our bodies in the manner he did but we conquer the world in the spirit god accepts this sacrifice in the judgment of his fatherly spirit he accepts this kind of victory our lord jesus christ beholds this combat within the heart helps us to wage the war and rewards the conqueror we may dwell on the sufferings of the martyrs 
until we almost fancy ourselves in their place but unless we imitate their fortitude by dying to ourselves this is an idle delusion even to honour the martyrs without imitating them as st augustine says is but a false adulation our kind of martyrdom is marked out for us by st paul and demands that we ourselves be the executioners if he says by the spirit we put to death the deeds of the flesh we shall live romans chapter eight verse thirteen the life of man on earth is a warfare says holy job the life of the true christian is a daily cross and martyrdom to deny oneself to combat the corrupt propensities of our nature to keep the desire of eternity well advanced before the things of time and to endure whatever may come upon us demands a patience a fortitude and a perseverance like the force that carried the martyrs through their sufferings yet let no one think that this daily fortitude is hard stern and pitiless like the boasted virtue of the stoics there are critical moments when fortitude demands that we become stern and severe with ourselves but never with others unless to check some great evil but where this virtue is habitual and in good exercise it is gentle free and cheerful as it is the gift of the holy ghost and works with the sweet flame of charity it sweetens the soul and by its resistance to the vices that produce fear hardness and disconsolation true christian fortitude makes the soul peaceful pleasant and cheerful this view of the subject has been well expressed by the learned and devout gerson the gift of fortitude he observes is different from the virtue although both regard what is arduous and difficult as a virtue fortitude withstands or endures perils such as we must suffer if we would not part with good with the good for example of holding to the faith of pursuing justice or of doing good to others but as a gift of the holy ghost fortitude is a gratuitous and abounding grace given to those who seek perfection of life through the divine counsels it may be defined as an affection of the soul that restrains concupiscence and the fears arising from adversity those who are in the charity of god have it in habit but those who are perfect have it in action but those who have this gift more in habit than in action and are therefore imperfect have the power of becoming perfect if they will only bring out the habit into actual work and complete exercise some persons are stronger by nature than others and some have larger and freer powers some again are by constitution more temperate and by the soundness of their frame have their irascible and sensual passions under greater control this firmer constitution of nature may be of great advantage to the christian virtues but if pride takes the place of humility and sensuality that of temperance this very strength of constitution will contribute its energy to the ruin of soul and body but as christian fortitude is a gift of god and not a quality of nature 
when brought from habit into exercise it will do the bravest and most valiant deeds even in the weakest natures witness those virgin martyrs of tender years and delicate bringing up who for the love of god did the noblest acts and underwent the greatest sufferings devoid of all disturbing fear witness again those heroic servants of god who amidst corporal infirmities that would lay common mortals on their beds as permanent invalids have expended the energies of a dozen ordinary mortals in laborious and unceasing acts of charity to their neighbours it is the contrast between conscious weakness and the divine power working through that weakness that gives to christian fortitude its splendour and sublimity st paul has expressed this conscious power in conscious weakness with magnificent generosity and he said to me my grace is sufficient for thee for power is made perfect in infirmity gladly therefore will i glory in my infirmities that the power of christ may dwell in me for which cause i please myself in my infirmities in reproaches in necessities in persecutions in distresses for christ for when i am weak then i am powerful two corinthians chapter twelve verses nine and ten of his daily necessities and trials the great apostle speaks in the same language of fortitude i speak not for want for i have learnt in whatever state i am to be contented therewith i know both how to be brought low and i know how to abound everywhere and in all things i am instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need i can do all things in him that strengtheneth me philippians chapter four verses eleven through thirteen in his book on the duties of the ministers of the church st ambrose treats professedly on the virtue of fortitude he calls it the firm and energetic force of virtue which is higher than the other virtues because it commands and invigorates them with justice is this virtue called fortitude because it is through its help that man governs himself keeps down anger and refuses to let himself be relaxed or softened by the allurements of the world around him what can be higher what more magnificent than for a man to rule his body from the elevation of his mind and to bring it under servitude to insist that it shall obey his will and work with diligence in the way that his resolute will shall determine of the two kinds of fortitude the first looks upon the things of the body as the least and as if they were superfluous and as rather deserving to be despised than thought much of the second kind follows the supreme good of the soul and whatever makes the soul herself good and beautiful all this it follows with affectionate attention what can be so exalting as to form the soul to an elevating energy that looks on the things of this world as neither great in themselves nor deserving to be constantly pursued if you have this much judgment in your soul 
you will of necessity prefer what makes the soul herself good and beautiful and will give your mind and affections to that good but whatever befalls you let it not upset or disturb your mind be not like those who let any loss of this world's goods any lowering of their honour or respect any gainsaying of their adversaries bring them down from their superiority over such things finally let no peril to health or life that ought to be encountered for justice sake ever move you this fortitude belongs to those whom christ sets in the field and who after lawful striving shall be crowned what think you of this law does it seem weak for your guidance in the combat tribulation worketh patience and patience trial and trial hope and hope confoundeth not because the charity of god is poured forth in our hearts by the holy ghost who is given to us the most eminent spiritual writers lay it down as a principle that fortitude is the moral foundation of contemplation a little consideration will make this evident what is contemplation but the resting of the mind and heart upon god as their supreme object and as the highest object of all desire for in contemplation the mind passes not from object to object not from reason to reason by an ascent from inferior to superior things as in meditation but rests with fixed attention and wonder upon god himself and devotes the affections to him but this implies great steadfastness of mind and constancy of heart and such a fortitude of love as cannot easily be diverted from this divine exercise either by dissipation of mind or by sadness of heart the contemplative psalmist therefore says to god thou art my fortitude and i will keep my fortitude to thee but this can be nothing but that fortitude of love that adheres to god with constancy and endures all things rather than suffer the least separation of the superior mind and the heart from god it is a very great thing to have the mind habitually placed in the light of this truth that the soul has but one supreme object one supreme good that all other things are only so far good as they lead us to that supreme good that we are only blessed in that degree in which we partake of that good and that the steadfast contemplation of our sovereign good sustained by the fortitude of love is the nearest approach that we can make in this life to the living fountain of all good for the fortitude of love both loves and endures loves on the side of god endures on the side of the creature which is the perfection of charity this strong and ardent virtue may be likened to the furnace that purifies gold to the root in the fostering soil that upholds and invigorates the tree to the armour that protects life from hostile weapons and to the strong pinions upon which the eagle soars into the light of the sun as the furnace refines the gold fortitude purges away the drossy encumbrances upon our spiritual nature 
and makes it beautiful in strength as the proverb says strength and beauty are her clothing the wind breathes into the furnace to enkindle its ardour the holy spirit breathes fortitude into the flame of charity in token of which that divine spirit came visibly upon the apostles in a mighty wind with tongues of fire the root sustains and invigorates the tree through its stem branches leaves and fruit fortitude sustains and invigorates the soul in all her powers virtues works and sufferings the lord said to joshua before he entered the promised land take courage and be very valiant that thou mayest observe and do all the law which moses my servant hath commanded thee turn not from it to the right hand or the left that thou mayest understand all things which thou dost joshua chapter one verse seven the breastplate protects the heart from hostile weapons fortitude protects the soul from the temptations of every spiritual and carnal enemy the whole world cannot injure a soul that is fenced with faithful fortitude armed with this defence the most delicate virgins such as catherine agnes cecilia agatha and lucy were able to overcome the rage of tyrants and every invention of fear and cruelty but the wonder grows less when we reflect that strength comes from heaven the eagle soars on his strong pinions against the sun fortitude sustains the wings of the contemplative soul and upholds her flight into the regions of light from which the sun of justice shines upon her we may consider the ascending degrees of fortitude after the manner of st bonaventure if we view the virtue as it raises us above the things of this world it is a high degree of fortitude to conquer the world's allurements and look down upon its transient delights it is a higher degree to conquer the body and keep down its concupiscences it is the highest degree to conquer one's self in the soul and to change self-love into the love of god if we consider the virtue as it resists evil it is a high degree of fortitude to resist and repel the sins of the body such as intemperance sensuality and uncleanness it is a higher degree to resist and repel the sins of the soul such as self-love pride vanity and insincerity it is the highest degree to resist and repel the first movements and occasions of sin whether in body or in soul if we consider the virtue as it endures adversities privations or sorrows with peace and resignation it is a high degree to endure with contentment the loss of such things as this world can give us it is a higher degree to endure our personal sufferings and sorrows with a patient and peaceful heart it is the highest degree to give up our mortal life for god's sake whensoever he may call for it if we consider this same gift and virtue of fortitude as it carries us with cheerful content through the labours of our vocation it is a high degree to do our work in this world with a view to our salvation it is a higher degree to do our work in the right way 
that is according to the will of god it is the highest degree to labour in the interior of the soul so as to perfect our union with god in time and for eternity to sum up the whole doctrine of fortitude in a sentence it is the strength of god's grace working through the cooperation of the will in the weakness of the creature and the fortitude of resignation as the word implies is the surrender of oneself to god amidst accepted afflictions that attached to the cross of christ they may perfect our soul this is the summit of fortitude a comprehensive view of fortitude as the virtue of the virtues will take us deep into the designs of god far and wide over the history of mankind and high into the heavens above it is the eternal plan of god to draw the greatest possible amount of good out of the evil produced by evil wills and to demonstrate his power in the weakness of his creatures where their wills are good these two magnificent demonstrations of his power and goodness are effected by the strength of his grace in the souls that freely and generously cooperate with his gifts but this involves the conflict of good with evil a conflict that goes on increasing in intensity owing to the growth and complication of evil as the world grows older contemplate the history of the world from the opening of the book of genesis to the last prophecies recorded in the book of revelations and you will see how the combat of good against evil goes on complicating and extending at one time in violence at another time in subtleties until the time our lord predicted when you will scarcely find faith upon the earth hence as evil increases fortitude and patience become still more needful to the servants of god the rewards of those who overcome in the conflict are set before us for our encouragement in the same book of revelations in which those combats are described and st john sums up the whole spirit of the conflict in these words here is the patience of the saints who keep the commandments of god and the faith of jesus apocalypse chapter fourteen verse twelve when the conflict with evil is ended when that evil has been compelled to serve for the probation and sanctification of god's elect when all the good that can be drawn out of evil has been accumulated in the souls of the just then will come that glorious manifestation of god's wisdom and power before the assembled universe of created intelligences and the wonders of his grace and providence will be seen from beginning to end but the most wonderful demonstration of god's love and power will appear in this that the active violent subtle combined and most aggressive powers of evil have been all overcome by such gentle virtues as charity humility and patience of all material elements fire is the most powerful and the noblest by its subtle force all things live grow and are preserved it illuminates invigorates and fertilizes the powers of nature into what it enters that it expands 
and to many things it gives strength and consistency from the granite bones of the earth to the vessel of clay from the potter's wheel it has not only the noble property of ascending as in flame but also the benignant property of descending as in the rays of the sun having dominion over the weaker elements it consumes without destroying them and converts them into more ethereal forms of existence fire was therefore the most expressive element in which to manifest to mortal eyes the invisible descent of the holy spirit upon the disciples of christ expressive of the light of wisdom the ardour of charity and the strengthening and transforming power of fortitude when the holy spirit conveys his gifts to a soul he infuses the strength of fortitude into the ardour of charity and this fortitude ignited by this charity passes into our spiritual powers and if our will is faithful to cooperate with the divine gift from our powers it passes into the virtues making the soul strong from weakness and pliant to endure trials and to resist the evils of this mortal life then fortitude gives steadiness and strength to that bright flame of charity which aspires to god and to the service of god in his creatures and gives honour and glory to our glorious lord and creator what is weak or vicious in the creature is consumed in that strong fire that it may be changed into spiritual good in descending that celestial flame consumes what ought to be consumed and strengthens what ought to be strengthened and that gift which descended as a flame of grace reascends as a flame of love bearing up the soul along with it into a closer more constant and more elevated communion with god from whom the fortitude of charity descends 